He's a lifelong resident of Buffalo. Michael Cracker has many years of experience working in government and politics across upstate New York. Prior to joining Unshackle Upstate as executive director, Michael Cracker spent several years working in senior positions of the United States House of Representatives, building professional relationships in both Washington and New York. First, let's learn what is Unshackle Upstate New York, Michael Cracker. Well, Brian, it's good to uh, be with you here. And as you mentioned, uh, we've been longtime friends, so I'm happy to be happy and honored to be a guest here on your radio show. And I want to say hello to all your listeners. Uh, Unshackle Upstate, which is a new opportunity I took on just a few months ago, is a pro-business, pro-taxpayer advocacy coalition consisting of chambers of commerce and trade associations here in New York. Uh, that pushes for pro-business and, and pro-taxpayer policy in our state capital. As, as you're very aware of, Brian, uh, New York City has dominated our state legislature and our state government for far too long. Very sad. And, and unfortunately, upstate New York has paid the price for it. Uh, my, my organization is, I believe, the only upstate focus organization in the state capital, making sure that the needs of our businesses and the needs of our taxpayers are being heard loud and clear by our legislature. So uh, it got my work cut out for me as we enter this new legislative session, but uh, looking forward to taking on this opportunity and bringing my experience to Albany and trying to get some things done for the taxpayer. This is a tough situation. <laughs> I mean, you have every statewide elected official is a Democrat, mostly liberal. Democrats. Now you lost your last bastion of sanity in Albany, losing the state Senate to a Democrat majority. So there are no checks and balances. Most people think taxes will go up 10%. Late-term abortions will be approved within the first couple weeks. And the Second Amendment should become history in New York State. I mean, how do you fight a liberal Democratic state with a, with a government like this that is basically anti-business. Well, it's it's going to be interesting. You you mentioned tax increases. You know, at this point, our legislative leaders uh, in the Senate and the Assembly, the incoming legislative leaders, Carl Heasty and Andrea Stewart Cousins, have said that they have no intention of of raising taxes. I have some questions as to how some of their policy items are going to align with with that those Single statements. Sure, I think. <laughs> And I, and I think that's going to be something where we've got to, my organization has to hold them accountable and say, you know, you made commitments to us that you weren't going to raise taxes. How do you advance some of the policy ideas that you've talked about while holding true to that that topic? Uh, but I think you're right. I think the early agenda here uh, in Albany is going to be a largely social issues. You talked about uh, what they call the Reproductive Rights Act, uh, Second Amendment uh, regulations, further further restrictions on gun rights, uh, Child Victims Act, other pol- social policy issues I think are going to lead the agenda, but it's not going to take long, I think, for, for the legislature to want to get into some of these economic issues that I, I think oftentimes have a predominantly greater negative impact on upstate New York because we don't have the financial capital of the world here in upstate. We don't have you know, nine, 10 million people like they have in New York City. We have other challenges. We're sort of a more Midwestern uh, situation here, but unfortunately we don't have Midwestern regulations. A very dangerous uh, situation. Um, let's talk about the business community. Now I understand there were some politicians protesting New Era. 
and what they're doing. And I would think that New Era, having elected officials protest, is going to make them even run away from New York State more. Uh, I mean, well, it, you know, it's interesting the New Era situation. So that that the news that New Era was going to leave came the same day that the governor announced the significant incentives that they provided to Amazon uh, to come to New York, New York State, into the Queens area. So, you know, the way I view that is is both the Amazon situation and the local officials here in Buffalo saying that we need to offer, you know, the IDA or somebody needs to step in and offer incentives to New Era to stay really exposes the central problem that is New York State's just simply not business friendly. It's not open for business. I think uh, the Tax Foundation ranked New York State as the 47th worst business climate in the nation, which is, we which is actually up from 48. Uh, I thought we you know, were 50th. We, we trail uh, maybe maybe only <laughs> California and New Jersey uh, in that capacity, which is really nothing to be proud of. But but to the larger point, you know, rather than trying to pick your spots and, and invest, you know, significant public money into one business here, one business there, you know, part of our organization's mantra is let's get the entire business climate more favorable so that everybody benefits, both the existing businesses, it makes the state more attractive to new businesses, uh, let's lower property taxes so that we don't see the same inf- outflux of, of population that we see, uh, let's fix the whole problem rather than try to, you know, treat individual problems with Band-Aids, let's make the state healthier in general. Absolutely. Well, like your former boss, Chris Collins, you're a great advocate for private sector business and growth of the private sector in Western New York State. We talked a little bit about this Democratic majority. Well, let's talk specifically about this preposterous idea for single-payer health care, which probably will cost each home in Western New York and throughout New York State, another five or $10,000. How can people who are struggling to put kids through college, pay the mortgage, pay these excessive state income taxes and property taxes, how are people going to pay another five or $10,000 a year for single payer health care? Well, I think in this debate, Brian, it's important to take a step back. You know, the, the folks that are pushing for this policy claim that, that what they want is to make sure that nobody goes without health insurance. Well, when you look at it from that perspective, the percentage of folks in New York State who currently don't have health insurance is 5% of the population. I thought it was 3%. Well, there's 5% 5 total. 3% are Medicaid eligible but aren't Mm -hmm. enrolled. And then there are 3% who are in somewhat of a black hole right now. Okay. So you're talking about trying to fix a problem that's affecting currently 5% of the population. Why does that require a complete and total overhaul of our health insurance policy in the state where, you know, individuals like yourself who have access to private insurance now are going to be thrown off of that plan because private insurance will cease to exist in New York and instead will go into a government-run pool? I think for a lot of us, anybody who's seen the way the state manages our Medicaid program, which is the most expensive Medicaid program in the state of New York, would be rather disappointed to find out that instead of having your independent health, your Blue Cross Blue Shield plan, instead, now you're on a state-sponsored plan when you liked your plan before that. That's to say nothing of the fact that it's going to be a tax increase of up to $200 billion, which is more than double the, or this would more than double the size of the state budget. So, you know, the costs that are associated with this to really try to fix 
a problem that's impacting 5% of New Yorkers is just irresponsible. So I don't know how they drive no tax increases with a plan that requires $200 billion in new taxes, but I'm hopeful that uh, common sense will prevail uh, and they'll stop in their tracks and try to address the more easily manageable problem, which is getting coverage for 5% of New Yorkers who don't have it right now. It sounds crazy to me to spend uh, hundreds of millions of dollars for 5%. We'd probably be better off just writing a check to these people. (laughs) Yeah. And without a, a big bureaucracy, better to give them a couple hundred dollar check but, but they spend thousands. What, what I always try to make sure people understand is that there's a difference between providing universal coverage, which means everybody has access to health care, and single-payer health care, which means everybody has the same government-sponsored health care system. What they want is the latter. I'm saying I don't think New Yorkers are really prepared to find out that instead of having their private insurance plan that many New Yorkers enjoy, they're now on government-run health care. And also, in order to do this, you're going to put 150,000 New Yorkers out of work because these are the folks who are working at health insurance companies or things or support agencies who are now suddenly going to be no longer necessary. Uh, perhaps at some point those folks get picked up by the state. You can argue that's probably not a responsible role for a state employee to be playing, but you're going to have $200 billion in new taxes, 150,000 jobs lost overnight, which is almost the amount of jobs we lost during the economic recession all to fix a problem that can be addressed by trying to expand coverage to that 5%. It's just not sensible, in my opinion. Well, Man with Common Sense is our guest today, Michael A. Cracker, Executive Director of Unshackle Upstate, who did an outstanding job for six years with Congressman Chris Collins, who was reelected, and now he is a big position with Unshackle Upstate, Executive Director for Less Taxes, Less Regulation, and Business Growth in New York, Michael Cracker. If you're listening in Buffalo or Toronto or Manhattan, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN, AM 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our European listeners, too, as we have received at the station letters from Scandinavia and New Zealand. little plug here, Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Eagle has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Eagle. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegmans stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. And ESPN 1520 is streaming. You can listen live by going to our website, ESPN1520.com, and clicking on the radio.com or listen tab. A little bit more information about Michael Cracker, Executive Director for Unshackle Upstate. We're talking about upstate New York as we reach 17 states. Michael Cracker has a strong political background, working with campaigns at the federal, state, and local level. A 2017 Buffalo Business First 30 Under 30 honoree, Michael Cracker is a 2010 graduate of SUNY Geneseo with a degree in political science. He lives in Buffalo, New York, our guest a dynamic, bright leader trying to unregulate, deregulate New York State. Now, we talked about all the evil, all the taxes, all the regulations. Let's talk about something positive. Growth. 
and we've lost a million people in this state in the last six years. How are we going to bring working people back? <laughs> not welfare recipients, not refugees, working people. Yeah, I thought you said you want to talk about something positive. There's still challenges there. No, I, 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 you know, I think that's part of the, the crucial goal of our organization is to get the upstate economy growing, get our communities, which have really been seeing population losses, you know, from the 50s and even somewhat before that uh, to today. Uh, I, you know, I think there's been some some positive things that have turned around. You, you see pockets of growth in the, you know, the cities, you know, Buffalo, Rochester, Albany are doing more things to attract young people, making their downtowns more appealing, uh, bringing in some of that, I don't know, call it maybe your Silicon Valley style and uh, businesses where you see ping pong tables and places for you know employees to to work in in more communal settings. So you know you have seen positives like that, but I think one thing that we're going to look to push for in the new year is uh, you know increasing our workforce development programs around the state. You've got a significant skills gap where I'm sure you talk to to companies all the time where where they're looking for employees to do work, but they can't find employees who have the skills to do it. We've got an aging workforce in upstate New York, uh, so we need to kind of backfill that next generation of uh, manufacturing workers, healthcare workers, hospital workers, you name it. So, you know, we're hopeful that the state of New York will step up to the plate to invest in that so we can get the folks that are here now the skills necessary to work in western New York or upstate New York, and as well as, you know, attract folks from outside of the region uh, to come here and, and work at our companies. So... That, I think, on the positive side, is something that both sides agree on. That's not a Republican or Democrat issue. So, Let's talk about goals for the new year. Legislative agenda. We have about 8% um, income tax in New York State. We have zero income tax in Florida. And Texas, much lower income taxes in neighboring states. So what are we going to do to get New York in the middle of the country, maybe 4%, Instead of 8%, what are we going to do to really cut the size and scope of New York state government? Michael Cracker. Well, you know, Brian, I think it's tricky. Uh, I I wouldn't expect that that issue is going to lead the agenda in the new coming legislature. I don't think that those folks feel that that's onerous. (coughs) Pardon me. Uh, But I think at some point you're going to see a situation in which Folks at the highest income levels are the most mobile mobile citizens. I mean, they can easily move to states like Florida, Tennessee, Texas, North Carolina, and they are. But at some point, the the burdens of the programs that we have here in New York are going to fall to the lower and lower economic thresholds where, you know, middle class folks are going to be responsible for bearing uh, the costs of things like our our New York State Medicaid program, Uh, you know. At some point, the rubber is going to meet the road, and we're going to run out of people to tax for these robust programs we have. And and my point would be the state should address it head on ahead of time before that becomes an issue. But, you know, we're unique. We've got Wall Street. We've got New York City. And with that comes a lot of very, very high income earners, and it's allowed the state to, you know, use that significant source of wealth to fund our robust social programs. You know, the millionaire's tax in New York, which I think brings it up to – close to 10% is set to sunset this year, I wouldn't bank on that sunsetting. Uh, they rely too heavily on that income or that revenue stream to fund uh, our robust social programs. Yeah, in the but state. Though, aren't those the people you want to keep, the people who are paying 
billions of dollars in taxes. They're they're making millions of dollars. Those aren't the people you want to have. Oh, I, I I think you New and York I would. State. Those you, are those. That's the cash cow. You and I would agree on that point wholeheartedly. I mean, it's part of the reason why you see states like Florida running ads in New York State, attracting our millionaires and billionaires to move down there. Uh, and and I think there are some folks who who don't necessarily believe that. That's realistic. I mean, I think you heard recently the governor had made a comment saying that uh, folks aren't leaving New York State because of the economy anymore. They're leaving because of the weather. And I think, you know, that couldn't be anything any further from the truth. Well, that's not true at all because 60 percent of the people who leave the state go to neighboring states. They have the exact same weather. So it, that is not true in part, any way. Part of my organization is a member of my organization is the Greater Binghamton Chamber of Commerce. You look down there in the southern tier. You know, most of those communities are struggling significantly, but you look just over the southern border into Pennsylvania, and those communities are, are thriving. You know, that's, I think, in large part because of hydrofracking, which was something that the state chose not to participate in, much to the economic chagrin of the southern tier and other communities who would have benefited. But, you know, there you see, you know, it snows just as much in northern Pennsylvania as it does in southern New York. So I don't think the reason that those communities are growing while we shrink is because uh, of the weather. We're going to talk about fracking in just a moment. Our guest today is the dynamic new director for Unshackle Upstate, Michael A. Cracker. He's located at 257 West Genesee Street, Suite 600, Buffalo, New York. If you're listening in South Buffalo, Montreal, or Washington, D.C., we'd like to hear from you with our 50,000 watts of clear channel power. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio. 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. Again, Michael Cracker is Executive Director of Unshackle Upstate. Now, we've had a friend of Michael's on this program a few times, Charlie Joyce, who's with Otis Eastern in Wellsville. And every week he sends 1,700 people to do fracking out of New York State mm-hmm. when he's right on top of the Marcellus Shale in Wellsville, New York. I mean, it just, and and I, when I, my wife and I were looking at colleges for our kids, we went through Pennsylvania looking at Franklin Marshall and Lehigh and uh, Bucknell, and all these little towns were booming, hotels, restaurants, uh, truckers, Unbelievable! Billions of dollars a year, which we're losing out on. Wouldn't fracking in New York State bring billions to the New York State economy? No question. No question it would. Uh, I actually was was corresponding back with Mr. Joyce when the governor and the Department of Health first made that decision, and I think both of us could do nothing but shake our heads. It was New York State, I think, turning its back on a real economic opportunity. We don't. A lot of these regions that would have benefited had from fracking have suffered a manufacturing loss. They've suffered a loss of population. This would have really been an opportunity for them to turn the tide and get growing again. And I think it's very frustrating for a lot of those folks because, as I mentioned, they can see, you know, just out there down their backyards, the folks in Pennsylvania benefiting from hydrofracking. And in New York, we've, we've got this great resource under our feet and we choose not to use it. And that's not the only way that New York State uh, is hurting the energy sector. You know, energy infrastructure, pipeline infrastructure, we have some of the highest utility costs in the nation here in New York. And part of the reason for that is we don't allow energy companies, natural gas companies to expand their pipelines to reach new customers and to export into other communities. 
the DEC and other state agencies have really beaten back those efforts, and it leads to higher energy costs. We've got a great company here in Amherst, New York, in National Fuel that's been here 100-plus years. Uh, they, they can't get the permits necessary to build out their infrastructure to provide natu- natural gas, which is affordable, it's clean, doesn't rely on state subsidy. They can't get that to their customers, uh, and that's a uniquely New York problem and uh, one that I don't see this governor or this state legislature wanting to address, but they certainly should put it up on the agenda. And one thing I wanted to mention, that now, as of a couple days ago, we are now a, an oil and gas exporter, the United States, the first the time in 72 years, and I believe a lot of that has to do with fracking. It sure does. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Let's talk more about uh, taxes. I'd like to talk about our excessive sales tax at 8.75% in Erie County. Property taxes, some of the highest property taxes in America, in the second poorest city in America. How do you get this through to people to start making government smaller and reducing taxation? Well, you know, I think for a a lot of the reasons uh, on our sales tax side of things, why that's so significant is because the state's passing down of their Medicaid programs to the counties to make them pick up some of the bill. So therefore, a lot of counties, I know Erie County, Niagara County, rely significantly on their sales tax, and they're kind of getting pinched on the unfunded mandate side of things, and the only thing that they can control really is their sales tax. So, you know, one thing that's up this year is uh, the property tax cap was put into place by, believe it or not, this governor in 2011, uh, which capped our property taxes at a 2% growth year over year, which is, you know, I think since it's in, it was enacted, saved $8 billion Good. for property taxpayers over the lifetime of that legislation. But when it was passed by the legislature and signed by the governor, the expectation was that right behind it was going to be mandate relief. Our county governments across New York State, both Republican and Democrat administrations, have long begged for for mandate relief from Albany because Albany passes on so many uh, burdens onto our communities and then tells them what their, how much they can increase their tax levy. So if we want to get serious about actually reducing our, our property tax rate, not simply capping the rate of growth, I think we need to tackle mandate relief. I know the Assembly Republicans uh, under Brian Kolb have long championed proposals to do just that. I think there are probably some common sense things that we can do, but you're right. Our property taxes are uh, some of the highest in the country as a percentage of home value. So while our housing stock is affordable, when you have to wrap in your property tax bill, uh, you, you might be better off in a, in a bigger city in another state because your property taxes are so expensive. Crazy. Let's talk about regulations. I, I know I have a client, and with Dodd-Frank, he's spending 25% of his time on Dodd-Frank regulations with compliance. What ridiculous regulations do we have in the state of New York that we should be rid of so businesses can grow and flourish? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we could do a whole nother show on that issue. Uh, but, you know, there are some uniquely New York things. Uh, one one law, I had a luncheon today with some, some like-minded folks today to talk about the New York scaffold law, which uh, provides that contractors are 100% liable for any on-the-job injury that might come from one of their construction workers, regardless of who would actually be at fault. So, for example, if a, if a worker showed up to a job site under the influence of alcohol and had an on-the-job accident, 
the contractor is still 100% liable for uh, the damages uh, on the site. That's unique to New York State. No other state in the country has absolute liability laws. Uh, you know, we've long since championed reform on that and, and asked for a comparative negligence standard to be put into place where a judge could decide who, what percentage of fault belongs to the contractor. Was it a safe work environment? Or did the employee's actions provide uh, some percentage of blame in that instance? Uh, I don't think that's an unreasonable request, especially considering New York State's the only state that has that. And why that's impactful, not just to folks in the construction industry, but really everybody, is because that drives up insurance rates for everybody in New York. It increases the cost of doing any development project, both private or public. and really every single New Yorker, whether they know it or not, feels that pinch because of that scaffold law. We have a, a minute and a half left on the Rusk Report. Let's talk about Solar City. We're talking about a situation, and Ed Cox has been on this program, and he said it comes out to $900,000 per job <laughs> on public subsidy. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't we be better off to have that $750 million go for tax uh, reduction, maybe we could do away with property taxes for one year in Erie County <laughs> if we got that $750 million. I mean, isn't that um, a welfare, corporate welfare? To yeah. $750 I mean, I, million? Dollars? I think it gets back to what I said about Amazon. I, I view those program those, those sorts of incentive programs to be an omission of guilt on the, state of, on the part of the state of New York that our business climate is not friendly. We're not open for business, despite what some of our Albany politicians would say. If we were to simply have more wholesale changes to our business climate, reduce some of the burdensome regulations, lower taxes, get rid of some of these frivolous lawsuit situations that companies have to deal with, you know, make wholesale reforms to our business climate, we wouldn't need to give out generous incentive packages to companies because we would be an attractive place to live. I know you're never going to get rid of it entirely. States like North Carolina do provide incentives right. to attract business, but you wouldn't have to see these billion-dollar price tags Ridiculous. Uh, to attract I'm sorry to bring the Rusk Report to a close. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production for a decade and a half, and Michael Cracker, who's enlightened us regarding Unshackle Upstate to reduce taxes and regulations in New York State. We wish everybody happy holidays, and thank you for enlightening us. Michael Cracker. Thank you, Brian.